Hi, and welcome to episode 20 of Let's Talk Bitcoin, a twice-weekly show exploring the ideas, people, and projects building the new digital economy and the future of money. 20 episodes. That number came up fast. Today is an experiment. One of the most common complaints we get is that our show is too long, and some listeners would rather have the ability to pick and choose what order they listen to the show in. It's also very intimidating for new users, who might be interested in a particular segment, but not in the half-hour of discussion that came before. Episode 20 will be released in a number of parts. You should find a total of four files. In 20.1, Stephanie and Andrea share their experiences with LocalBitcoins.com, an alternative to centralized exchanges that's not against the rules yet. In 20.2, that's what you're listening to now, the hosts have a long conversation about what the point of mining is and if the incentive might have become the end result, losing sight of Satoshi's vision. This is a must-listen-to segment and clocks in a little under a half hour. In 20.3, I sit down with Asher Tan and Ryan Joe, better known as Zhao Tong, two of the founders behind Coinjar.io, a new Australian Bitcoin exchange. At the end of this segment, you can hear Andreas on Bloomberg West yesterday. In 20.4, Andreas tells us about the upcoming Bitcoin Improvement Project Proposal Number 32, which proposes a new third type of wallet, a hierarchical, deterministic wallet. Sounds technical, and it is, but the concept is powerful, and it's worth your time to understand the potential here. We appreciate you hanging with us as we try these new things out. Please send all your feedback to adam at letstalkbitcoin.com. Enjoy mining for fun, profit, or the good of the land from the team at letstalkbitcoin.com. Dan Kaminsky is a well-known security researcher and uh, was recently on a panel talking about the security of Bitcoin at the Bitcoin 2013 conference in San Jose last month. One of the most interesting things I think that came out of the entire conference was actually something that he said during that talk. And I want to play the clip now and so we can kind of discuss the implications. I assign 0% probability that we will uh, continue with the present proof of work function. The present proof of work function is not going to survive the year, period. If if there's one hard prediction I'm going to make, it's going to be that. Uh, The reality is that it's impossible to model the... Look, you have to think of the system in terms of regulatory sets. One dude spins up one batch of ASICs and gets double-digit percentages of the network. That's one guy. That's not okay. Bitcoin depends on there being so many freaking people to regulate that you can't do it. That when you try to regulate it, you don't get power, you just get more people. Bitcoin uses, or at least by design, was designed to leverage the hundreds of millions of machines around the world that do computation. That is an impossible set to control. One dude, not an impossible set to control. (laughs) We think that, you know, the ASIC guys love saying, hey, you know, we'll just have lots of people buy ASICs. Yeah, you like that argument because you sell ASICs. <laughs> but, but, okay. I mean, that's okay. There's, there have always been economic motivators for people to make their mining things. I mean, really, ASIC, even in the best case, you're going to see a massive uh, industrialization of mining to the hands of a few small players. Like, it's not, you know, it's not going to be an ASIC in every garage. If that happens, be. Bitcoin fails. I'm not sure what the proof of work function or functions are going to look like. I had a great meeting. Let's just say I had a meeting with some people and it became clear that multiple proof of work functions operating as a you know basket of currencies kind of thing is probably the, uh, the path that's going to happen. I don't know where this is going to go yet. All I know is, is that 
Bitcoin is as a life or death dependency on mining, not centralizing. You have one mining pool, BTC Guild, with 48% of the power. You think this is an accident? You think they just, oh, you know, we just ran out of power right before 50%? No! <laughs> and they're like, okay, everyone realizes that if we ever exceed 50%, the value of everything goes to zero. So we're just going to stop here. This aspect of the system has got to change. I'm not sure what it's going to change into. Either Bitcoin changes or something else happens to leverage the hundreds of millions of machines. Because right now, if you have a CPU or a GPU, you shouldn't be mining. So the question is, if we could turn back the clock and take this uh, move towards GPUs and then ASICs and, you know, make it go away, make it so that that, that is not something that is feasible any longer, is that, is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? I mean, are ASICs, uh, I mean, are they a curse? Are they a blessing? Dan is absolutely right. This is absolutely a critical problem for Bitcoin. It is one that represents the greatest threat to the survivability of Bitcoin. And I, I'd like to quote Saint Satoshi himself. This is from uh, page three of the Satoshi paper. The proof of work also solves the problem of determining representation in majority decision making. If the majority were based on one IP address, one vote, it could be subverted by anyone able to allocate many IPs. Proof of work is essentially one CPU, one vote. That's what Satoshi said. That was the vision. And that vision has very much been subverted um, by ASICs because essentially what it says now is that that power is getting concentrated. The problem isn't so much the fact that people can buy ASICs and they're expensive. The problem is that the ASIC is three, four, five, ten orders of magnitude more efficient than CPUs and it basically crowds out uh, everybody else. So centralization uh, destroys neutrality, um, provides a single target for regulators and centralization is the thing that destroys Bitcoin. Absolutely, ASICs are a problem. The current proof of work system, in the end, ends up centralizing too much power into too few miners and violates the basic precept of Satoshi. Proof of work is essentially one CPU, one vote. No longer the case. I can't really blame them as a problem. I know you're not blaming them, Andreas, but I think they're kind of inevitable. What I mean by that is that there's such a great incentive to find a more efficient way to do the proof of work. The pressure is so great and the incentive is so great and there's so much to gain by developing some technology that helps that happen, that of course ASICs come out. You know, maybe there'll be something even more powerful than ASICs in the future. I think I agree with you that there is a potential problem there with the centralization, especially since ASICs right now are so expensive, definitely centralizing power. We've seen some ASICs come out, but there have been so many problems with them. I guess there's still some room for skepticism right now. Like there's still room to talk about this and say we can still prevent this problem before it really gets bad. There hasn't been a huge hitting of the market, so to speak, of, of ASIC miners yet. How could you even do that with Bitcoin? We can't turn back the clock. The only thing that could be done, I suppose, is create another cryptocurrency that is somehow literally unable to do anything but CPU mining. And I know that there are some folks who are interested in doing that, but then, you know, you'd have to get people to adopt that and use that and value it. And will they, when there is such a strong profit incentive to go with Bitcoin and the ASIC miners, which have the potential to centralize power quite a bit? 
Hey, if the incentives create centralization, don't blame the actors who are following the incentives, as you said, Stephanie, but look at the incentives very carefully. Are those incentives really aligned with the long-term vision of Bitcoin? And the answer is simple. It's no. Centralization is anathema to Bitcoin. It will be the thing that could destroy Bitcoin. So if the incentives are aligned so that they create centralization, which I think is obvious and very much happening right now, then that's a problem. Can it be solved? I think it can be solved with a hard fork. It's not an easy solution. It's not a soft fork solution. It's a hard fork solution. And it looks kind of something like this. After block X, where X is some block in the future, the only blocks that will be accepted by the reference client are those that have proof of work based on something else. That could be script. By the way, people have probably heard us talking about script, and uh, just to clarify, that's S-C-R-Y-P-T, and it's an algorithm that is extremely difficult to expand into an ASIC because it requires a trade-off between CPU and memory. So if you if you try to crunch it hard with an ASIC, what you end up doing is using a lot of memory, and you can't scale memory the way you can scale uh, computation. So, so essentially, what it does is it puts a, a a counterbalancing incentive against centralization. So, yeah, we could change proof of work. It would be a hard fork. It would be a, a difficult project. It would require some work to get there. But if anything is worth a, a hard fork, that would be it. The other but why alternative, not just use Litecoin? The other alternative <laughs> is Litecoin. The issue here is simply one of balance, right? Do you fork? to a different currency, or do you maintain the network effect and do the fork internally within Bitcoin? It's always a matter of if you think Bitcoin will succeed in the long term and the network effect, the fact that many others support it and, and use it is good enough, then you go to Bitcoin. If you don't believe that evolution can happen within Bitcoin, then you go for Litecoin. Uh, and I think there'll always be a balance between that natural kind of incentive to fork and the incentive to stay on the Bitcoin blockchain where the network effect is greatest. So we'll see how this plays out. So the, the good news is Litecoin already exists. So the alternative is already there. And if Bitcoin fails, the, what that does is it allows Litecoin to succeed. That's the nice thing about having an ecosystem. So now Litecoin aside, Peter was also on that panel. Peter from Coinbase was also on this panel with Dan. And the thing that he brought up, I clipped this uh, out a little bit so it could be shorter. One of the things that he brought up is that if you wanted to make a change like that to Bitcoin itself, you'd run into a problem because the people who, who you're essentially trying to obsolete, you know, the ASIC miners, probably by the time you get around to doing this, actually have more than 51% of the network. So you're essentially asking them to be okay with and participate in <laughs> mm. a switch that takes that invalidates their rather large investments uh, yep. into you know it, so so is that even possible or do we think that that is why litecoin could in fact take over is because asics wouldn't decide that they are going to in invalidate themselves and so the shift has to happen a hard fork where you change the proof of work would be very difficult but think of it from this perspective the centralization has already resulted in essentially cpu and gpu miners abandoning bitcoin the mining increasingly being concentrated on ASICs. Now, if you did say sometime in the future, and this could be, you know, six months out, eight months out, a year out even, um, but as long as you baked it into the protocol in advance, then you could essentially gradually align the incentives. Instantly, ASICs would be less popular. It wouldn't affect the current 
generation of ASICs because they would continue being profitable until that period of time. But it would affect decisions about buying future versions of ASICs, and it would also make people uh, evaluate the ASICs and the new proof of work for future value that they could bring. But at the end of the day, if you made that change, it would also allow almost a million people who are in Bitcoin today to resume CPU mining on this new algorithm and bring them into the fold. So if the ASIC miners walked away, 10,000 of them, right? And instead, you had a million people walk into the fold. I don't see how that's a problem. It's only a problem if you accept the centralization is inevitable. And that's really a, a symptom of the proof of work, not the underpinning assumption. So if you change the proof of work, the balance of power changes, and now you have a million new miners who can enter the field. So if ASIC miners lose some money, you know, they lose some money over that speculation. But I don't think there'd be a problem with their blockchain continuing to be more valuable while the other blockchain with all of the users on it isn't. I think you'd see quite the opposite. Essentially, people would vote with their mining. And that's exactly what mining is supposed to do, be a vote. So if the new proof of work is decentralized, more people can vote. Let's Talk Bitcoin is heard each week by thousands of people who are participating in the new digital economy. Our listener base of Bitcoin owners, miners, investors, technologists, and merchants is growing fast. We offer a limited number of short advertising slots in each show to keep our listeners engaged and to provide maximum impact for our sponsors. If you'd like to talk to us about Let's Talk Bitcoin, send us an email at sponsors at letstalkbitcoin.com. If I showed you a website where you could easily purchase electronics from the world's largest distributor with Bitcoins at 0% markup, would you think it was too good to be true? Good news. It's real. And it's at bitcoinstore.com. Choose from half a million items, save money over Amazon and Newegg, and convert your Bitcoins to real-world items. You can even buy with privacy. All they need is a shipping address. But don't take my word for it. See for yourself at bitcoinstore.com. You know, taking a step back from this, I think that broadly speaking, I can say we all kind of agree that ASICs aren't great overall for the health of the network because of, like you said, the centralizing effect, right? I would call it a disenfranchising effect even more strongly. I'm neutral on them, but I think they do kind of tend to centralize a little bit. Okay, so following that logic, doesn't that also mean the GPUs are basically also bad? Because in the same way that fewer people have ASICs than have GPUs, similarly, fewer people have GPUs that are powerful enough to mine in a reasonable fashion compared to CPUs. So, I mean, the question I'm asking here, I guess, is does the total amount of power in the network actually matter or is it just about the distribution of however much power there is? I think you're getting at Something that's been sort of on my mind during this whole discussion, Adam, which is that we need to redistribute the hashing power on the Bitcoin network. You know, I I don't like that because that itself, I mean, to me, like smacks of some centralization when anybody talks about redistribution. Now, I'm not sure, like my thoughts aren't completely uh, formed on this. But yeah, I mean, I guess if we take that logic to its uh, conclusion, like if if something is done to sort of eliminate ASICs or get rid of ASICs, then, you know, why not GPUs? Why can't we, are we going to be saying, oh, everybody has to be mining? If you're going to mine on the Bitcoin network, it has to be with this, with a CPU and it has to be this specific CPU so that everybody has equal hashing power. That could get pretty ridiculous. 
who gets to make that decision and enforce it, you know? I would certainly not join such a blockchain, one that prescribes control over which CPU you use or something like that. I think it's a matter of orders of magnitude, right? If you if you use a proof of work that has less of a difference between the orders of magnitude of mining of a CPU, a GPU, and an ASIC, and script already does that, it flattens that advantage a tiny bit, then essentially with the absolute minimum amount of change, you achieve the original incentives of Bitcoin, which is to distribute the voting consensus among as many participants in the network as possible. In my ideal environment for Bitcoin, every single phone you have that's running a client is also doing a tiny bit of mining. Every single device you use as your wallet is doing a bit of mining. If you could distribute it to that extent, then it becomes harder and harder to stop Bitcoin. And at the end of the day, I think it's really a survival mechanism. Centralization in ASICs is not a problem because the ASICs people make too much money or because we want to change who controls the network. It's a problem because they can be attacked in regulatory terms, and also the mining can be shifted to an organization that doesn't have Bitcoin's best interests in mind. If someone puts up an ASIC farm, and it's not that hard to do, they could literally take over Bitcoin just to shut it down. And that's a bad outcome. Now, it's less likely if you have a proof of work that is not as easy to scale up as an ASIC. This is very tangential here, but I'm, I'm really curious. On the flip side, because CPUs are so ubiquitous, right? So let's assume for a second that we make a shift and we go, we, you know, GPUs no longer work, ASICs no longer work. Does that put more power in the hands of corporations that have large amounts of computers like workstations that employees use, you know, and they can just have this low level mining process going in the background? Mm. Is this a way to generate revenue for companies that have large amounts of computers and workers on them? I think you'll find that the number of computers owned by corporations is a lot less than the number of computers owned by individuals. So from that perspective, I don't think that's too much of a problem. But at the same time, we're not talking about GPUs no longer work or ASICs no longer work. We're simply talking about ASICs don't give you a 10,000-fold advantage over CPU. They only give you a 100-fold advantage or 10-fold advantage over CPU they still would have significant advantages. There'd still be plenty of incentive for specialized computing devices to do this. But it would go back more to the initial environment where you had people building mining rigs that could be done on an individual basis. I think it's just a matter of designing which incentives give us the best possible future for Bitcoin. And you know the, the, the core idea of the distributed blockchain proof-of-work system is one CPU per vote. If you can buy up all the votes in the network, that's a problem. I can tell you something that's a little bit exciting to me, you know, on this topic. On June 23rd, a guy by the name of ByteMaster on the Bitcoin Talk Forums released a challenge for people to try and uh, get more oomph out of a GPU processor or an ASIC processor for this proof of work. And, you know, obviously it's GPU because you'd have to design a specific ASIC because they are application specific and this is a new algorithm. Basically, the protocol is aimed entirely for being as efficient as possible on CPUs to the detriment of GPUs and to the detriment of any sort of dedicated application. The bounty, if you can get 25% faster performance out of any GPU compared to what they're getting out of their CPU code is 40 bitcoins. So if this is something that you have expertise in and you think that you can make this happen, then you should definitely go take a look. There will be a link in the show notes to it. And I'm very curious if someone manages to come up with a way to to break through this new algorithm because it could be pretty promising otherwise. 
if this passes the challenge, creating some kind of new cryptocurrency with uh, the new algorithm? Yes, there's a currency that they've been working on called BitShares. I've actually spoken with their uh, lead designer on it a couple of times, a guy named Daniel Larimer. It's gone through several iterations. This was CryptoUSD, the, the first time we talked about it. We've looked at it on the show before and uh, not on the show itself, but on the back end trying to figure out if it's something we should talk about. And this is their latest iteration of it. And they seem pretty confident that it's entirely GPU proof and ASIC resistance while being as fast as possible to verify, direct quote. It's good to see people working on this problem because the centralization thing, especially as we get into a more ASIC defined future, it just seems like you can see that this is going to be a problem. It might not be a problem now, but it's going to be a problem. And so it's good to see people working towards solutions towards that. And if anybody else is working towards solutions in this area, please contact us because it's an area we're actively interested in. So could we just point out the fact that Bitcoin is just amazing simply from the perspective that if you don't like it, you can go make your own. And right. <laughs> also, if you don't like the current decisions going on in the Bitcoin code, you can fork and follow a different uh, blockchain. Despite the problems we're talking about, the solutions to these problems are enabled by the very nature of Bitcoin itself, by the fact that it's a consensus-driven mechanism. So Bitcoin can solve its own problems and can evolve past its own problems. And that's really a key property of Bitcoin that will allow it, to, I believe, to survive many such issues. And it has already survived issues like this in the past. Or it will allow alternative coins to arise out of the ecosystem and take on more of a leading role. And the incentives are perfectly balanced. The feedback mechanisms are super fast. So this is as close as you can come to an efficient market for picking the currency of your choice. Even if Bitcoin went away tomorrow, you could uh, jump on a new currency and still exchange your Bitcoin for this new currency relatively easily. Taking this incentive idea, I guess, um, if there is some new cryptocurrency that's created and is GPU and ASIC proof, what if it's only GPU and ASIC proof during this initial testing phase when it's kind of like, eh, the incentives aren't really there? What if it becomes a multi-billion dollar currency and then suddenly there are huge incentives to, to make devices or machines? Maybe it's not GPUs or ASICs. Maybe it's something completely different, but to somehow maximize the profit. What if that happens in the future? I'm interested to see how that plays out. I'm just thinking economics here, that as a cryptocurrency becomes more valuable, then the profit incentives become greater and greater. And necessity is the mother of invention, right? Like everybody said about Litecoin, it's totally ASIC and GPU resistant. Well, now people are talking about making ASICs that may be able to mine Litecoins on the script algorithm, even though the spread wouldn't be as big as with the SHA-256 algorithm like for Bitcoin between ASICs and GPUs or GPUs and CPUs. I'm just really curious to see what happens with this. The organization offering 40 Bitcoin as a bounty to overcome their algorithm is competing against the established economy of Bitcoin that offers a $1.7 billion bounty to anyone who breaks the encryption, 25 Bitcoin every 10 minutes for anyone who's able to overcome mining difficulties and mine more efficiently. So yeah, I mean, the incentives really favor innovation, a very rapid innovation towards achieving the, the rewards that are on the blockchain. The better solution would be to introduce some flexibility into the proof of work concept so that we can gradually change proof of work through consensus 
as the network becomes more centralized. You know, a feedback mechanism that acts to decentralize the network, if mining becomes centralized by changing proof of work, would be a great way to solve this problem, not just this time, but for the future. At the end of the day, too big to fail happens to any organization, whether it's totalitarian system or a democratic system or meritocratic system, all of these systems gradually morph towards centralization, concentration of power, and basically they need a reset every few years. I have no illusions that Bitcoin won't also become more centralized with the power more concentrated in fewer hands, unless it also gets a reset every few years in order to adjust to the new reality. That should be a goal, not something to fear. Do you think that that's something that winds up being automated into the protocol itself? Or is that something where, you know, the devs at the steering wheel at that particular time make the judgment call or say, okay, well, it's been four years, it's time to have a big reckoning again? I mean, how, how do you think that something like that can happen? Well, the devs have shown so far that their inclination is towards creating market-based uh, feedback mechanisms rather than making decrees by fiat, you might say, uh, making decrees as to how the algorithm should work. And I think that follows the spirit of Satoshi, which is be able to make these decisions by consensus. It becomes a bit more complicated when the issue you're trying to resolve is the disenfranchisement of consensus itself. And that's a bit more tricky. But I, I think in the long term, what we need to do is find self-balancing solutions that work through feedback that would make the currency much more robust. So if you think that innovation in Bitcoin hasn't stopped, but is only beginning, I don't see why we couldn't do innovation in that particular area that also honors the original incentive structures of Satoshi and achieves the one CPU, one vote promise more effectively. Thanks to Dr. Stephanie Murphy and Andreas M. Antonopoulos for providing content for this episode. Please send all listener mail to adam at letstalkbitcoin.com. Especially this time, because we're trying something very new here, I'd like as much feedback as possible, so chime in. Thanks for listening.